0: I'm going to help you take the first steps toward transforming your students into scientists through 3D learning, which is really what the NGS is all about. You can access this video series at iExplorescience slash Wonder and get ready to bring Wonder engagement and a love for learning back to your science class. All right, to the show. Welcome to the Teaching Science in 3D podcast. My name is Nicole Van Tassel. And I'm Erin Sadler. And we are two science teachers dedicated to helping you cut through the confusion and meet the intent of the NGSS so you can master all three dimensions. The NGSS can seem totally overwhelming, but implementing these standards doesn't need to be. Hey guys, this is Nicole Van Tassel with iExplore Science and I am here with Kayla Joubert and she is a teacher in Colorado and we are going to be talking about her basically NGSS, NGSS experience and experience with three-dimensional teaching and using phenomena in her classroom and all of that. So, thanks for tuning in today and I'm going to have Kayla introduce herself first.
1: Hi, um, I'm Kayla Jubert. Uh, I teach middle school science in a really small town in western Colorado um this is my sixth yeah sixth year teaching um and i've taught mostly seventh grade science so at that time i've taught a little bit of high school science there was one really terrible year where i taught pe um but so i've um taught a lot of things and so the last two years though about the last three years i've been teaching um sixth grade science which in colorado or in our district is earth science and seventh grade science which is life science um, with a little bit of eighth grade like electives sort of mixed in.
0: Okay, neat. so what was your classroom like? Let's just like dive right into the NGSS and three-dimensional all right. and all that. Um, okay, so what was your classroom like before you switched to the NGSS and three-dimensional? And I, when I sent her like the questions, I was like, no judgment here, like whatever it was, it was. Um, I know mine was Definitely not (laughs) three-dimensional or like exploration-based or any of those things. So, but what, yeah, what was your classroom like? Um, It was probably like really
1: typical of what we all experienced in school where it was like, I would do notes and then we would do a worksheet and then we would do some sort of lab activity or a project that goes with it. And you just repeated that process all year long with, you know, and then, oh, and now we have a unit test um, sort of thing. And it was really asking them to regurgitate information. Um, it was, I mean, it was how I grew up with being taught science. Yeah. And, you know, and there were pieces of it, like, I always was, like, a big, I love taking notes. So there was yeah. part of me that was like, yeah, this is great, we're taking notes. And then there was also part yeah. of me that was like, this is not, like, middle, great for middle schoolers. Yeah. Just, and take all these notes. Um, and so there was that piece that I was always like, I don't know how to make this less, though. I don't know how to... I know I don't like that piece a whole lot for my kids, but I don't really know how else to do that. Um, And I also really felt like the labs I was doing were really like the cookie cutter labs that like everyone, I knew what the outcome was, but like there was a right answer, which a part of me was also like, I have a degree in chemistry as well. I'm like, but there isn't always a right answer in science. Uh Like often there isn't a right, one right answer. You know, there's multiple ways to get to that and there's multiple, your data is your data. Um, right. so I struggled a little bit with that piece of like, but couldn't figure out how to do inquiry based labs of like, I knew I didn't like them, but like any current when well, we didn't have a curriculum, but any like curriculum based stuff I found wasn't that. Yeah. And any, you know, like all the stuff that like I've been taught through like my student teaching was all like the could cutter labs with the exception, right. maybe a dissection or two yeah. here and there. And so I was really, there's pieces of it that I was like, I just don't know how else to do this without, while making it still standards-based. Like I could
0: go on all these tangents, but making it standards-based, I really struggled with. Kind of I totally get that out. you. So like, I I can totally connect with like, I also was a person who in school was just like, sure, give me the notes, because I can just take them and then pass the test. And I like writing yeah. the notes. And I like reading the book. And I think it's interesting and fascinating. And I'll remember it. And it's great, you know, right. So why shouldn't all my kids just all my students just love learning this way. Yeah. Um, and, and I also the same with like the cookie, I mean, and, and also along those lines, it, it was like, it felt like I was kind of doing it right because we did a lot of hands-on stuff, you know, like we would do Mm -hmm. the, it's like, okay, well we did the notes, but yeah, but look, we're doing this like project or lab afterwards. So isn't that, you know, the right thing or hands-on or whatever, you know? So, but there was that whole missing minds on. And like you said, there's not always a right answer in science, but my cookie cutter lab always had the right answer. Um, So I can totally relate to all of that. Uh, And then, oh yeah. And then what you were saying just, like, so your degree is in, you have a, you also have a degree in chemistry, and, like, I, when I got to middle and high school, I, like, didn't like science at all, because I didn't like those cookie-cutter labs, because it just seemed kind of pointless, like, I'm going through the steps, and for me, I just found it annoying, I don't know, I didn't like going through all those steps, um, and then just having the same answers, I don't know, just, there was nothing curiosity-building about it, or, like, I don't in fascinating about it, or interesting about it, um, and... Yeah, and a lot of the labs, it was like, well, what's the point of doing this? I don't understand, like, the bigger picture piece here. So that was a struggle that I had. And then when I got to college, it was like I started studying environmental science and everything was just – everything's tied to everything else. And there's no clear-cut answers because everything is connected to everything. (laughs) And that's when kind of science came alive. And I think – but it's hard. How do you bring that into the classroom, like you said, when you're like, I have these objectives, I have these standards – I like the idea of inquiry, but how many tangents do we go down here? <laughs> yeah, for
1: sure. Yeah, and I have a chemistry degree, and I'd always been interested in science as a kid, like Steve Irwin, Crocodile Hunter, like we watched it every Sunday night, that sort of thing. And then in high school, I found out that I really liked math, and chemistry is really math based, and I liked that logic to it that, like, you do the math and you get the answer. Uh-huh. And then in college, I actually really hated the labs we did in college because it was more of those cookie color labs and it took forever scientific research takes forever and I'm really not good at it <laughs> um which is so teaching was a really good path um <laughs> but yeah of even in college in the chemistry department at least because there wasn't as much like you were trying to get these results they're trying to show you how to do this and it, yeah. being like but it didn't work I don't know why it didn't work but it didn't work or yeah. you know all these different pieces of it um and that's frustrating because science should be hands-on and it should be fun to sort of play in the science and wow. make discoveries. Um, and so, yeah, it was wanting to recreate a more realistic experience Yes, of science for the kids where, like, sometimes things don't work out and sometimes your lab partner doesn't show up and do all the work. And, yeah. <laughs> you know, the different things that happen of – you know, we did a photosynthesis one not that long ago. We grew some alfalfa seeds, and some of them, like for whatever reason, they put too much water or something, and they didn't grow any alfalfa seeds. So their data really sucked. <laughs> but, like that's a part of it, right? So yeah, just sort of those like really real experiences of science and real experiences of life and problem solving and
0: yeah, all that out. I wanted to incorporate because I really didn't ever get a whole lot of that when I was in school. Me either. And so that's also why it's so hard making this transition now, because you fall back on, this is how I learned. This is what I experienced. I don't know how to do it. Like, I don't even know what it's supposed to look like to do it differently. So then, okay. So then you knew that there was this missing piece, but like, how did you actually start incorporating like 3d and phenomenon exploration or what, like how, like, what were your first steps, I guess? in, in yeah. making this.
1: Um so I didn't so I knew our state had sort of transitioned over to NGSS standards. Um but as states do, they're like, oh we're doing this. Go have fun. Um so there wasn't any like PD associated with how to do this. Um and I ended up going to I went to an NSTA conference last year. And they were all talking about phenomena based and inquiry based. And here's the I was like, oh like this is really cool. This is yeah, like they should be asking questions and like make them curious about this thing. Yeah. And like the one guy had this demonstration with this, like his horse troughs that one of them had frozen and one of them hadn't on the same night. And like, why might that be? Um, and I was like, oh, cat, yeah, like this is like this is incorporating like the magic back into science and the wow. questioning and the really, really good pieces of science back into it. And so then I came back um, from that and was like, all right, well, I've decided I like this. How do I do this? Yeah. Um, and I found your website. Okay. Um, it had been recommended me, to me by another teacher who was in the conference. She's like, I've been listening to her podcast. And her yeah. podcast was really great. And I was like, okay, I'll check her out. Yay. <laughs> um, and I started working through, like, something like your worksheets and, like, the beginning, the like, explore the aha and yeah, um, all that. And I was like, okay, I think I can do this. So my first thing, the next thing that was coming up was photosynthesis. And that was one I was like, okay, I'm going to try it. It's a little, like, small piece of my unit. Yeah. Um, and we did I have air plants at my house and so I brought them to school and like we like how do they how do they grow if they don't have roots yeah you know like this is and we passed them around and they smelled them and whatever and we did a whole thing where like we found the, our big question and I let them loose in a lab which yeah. was kind of terrifying yeah. like <laughs> figure out how to prove photosynthesis go yeah um, you know I let them google things and so we had like grass from the playground in beakers with whatever was happening in them. And like, <laughs> you know, and then like we did that and we did um, like a inquiry based like station labs where they like had to what sort of taught for the station labs. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, at the end, I was like, oh, like they got it. And I didn't tell them a single thing about it. Yes. Like they can explain photosynthesis and I didn't explain it. To, like, review <laughs> at the end of like, Hey you guys, what is it? We'll write it on the board. Like I didn't talk yeah. about it at all, which was like really cool and kind of terrifying. Yeah. Of like, I didn't say anything. Did they really learn it? Like I didn't I didn't tell them. <laughs> and, like I felt really uncomfortable. But it was also really good. And they did um they had a lot of fun. Yeah. They were really engaged. Um and and like I do think that they learned it. Like they ah. had that down. And so then from then on I started incorporating like smaller phenomena that I could like find on wherever the internet somewhere or stuff that yeah. I was like, Oh, I've noticed this thing. And that goes with this. Right. Um, and just sort of incorporate and starting to incorporate the questioning in to come up with the big questions and, yeah. um, and less notes, make notes less was like really my
0: focus. Yes. Let's do less notes. That's awesome. I love that you just started with like bringing in phenomena and then like your phenomena was like a really good choice too, because it was something, I mean, it was simp, It was a simple one, but it was like, Tangible. They could touch it. They could hold it. They could like see it, and and it was like right there in front of them, you know. And then they could use that to create their own um, like labs and investigations and testing. And it's so funny that you're like, it was terrifying just letting them go. But like, look what happened. They they learned. I know. It. <laughs> it turned out great. It was one of those things where, like, as a science teacher, you're
1: used to a lot of chaos. Yeah. But you're also used to controlling that chaos to a certain amount. Yeah. And it was
0: like, this is more chaos than I'm comfortable. Yeah. It really, it really pushes you. You're like, I don't have, I don't have a whole, like, full control of this situation right now. And, <laughs> and yeah. And it was scary. I mean, it was, it was a little uncomfortable, scary,
1: but like, they were really into it. Yeah. And like, some of them, like, you know, they looked up the one where like, you put it in water and then you put a test tube on top and somehow and the air comes out, right? You put it in the sun, and you get the air bubble, and, like, I had, like, a whole bunch of those sitting on my desk, and they were, like, looking at them, and, I'm like, is it working? Is it working? I'm, like, yeah, I think it actually is. I haven't done that loud, but, yeah, it is. That is
0: awesome. That is so cool. Oh, my gosh, that's awesome. So, okay, my next question was, like, how did your students respond, and how is their learning impacted, but, like, obviously, it was, like, it was. Yeah, <laughs> and
1: as I've continued this throughout, like, the rest of last year, and then we won't talk about distance learning, and that was a whole different thing. But um, <laughs> yeah. but then this year, um, our schedule's kind of funky, and so I taught an entire semester's with the science in the first quarter. Um, and doing it with the NGSS and all of that, and, like, the kids really enjoyed it. And they continue to surprise me um, with, like, their perseverance through, like, some of the things where I'm not giving them answers. Yeah. And, like, they're not – whining at me of like but you're not telling us yeah anything like the other day I gave them an organelle I just gave them cards and the list of the organelles and I was like here match them up see what you can do can we make inferences can we yeah whatever whatever and like not none of them whined at me that like we don't know how to do this
0: like we've never seen these words before in my life and like we did a whole thing with that of Did you do anything, like, at the beginning of the year, or are these kids who were experienced it last year with you, too? Like, that helped them, because that's one of the things I hear from teachers a lot is that, and and there's certainly an adjustment period for kids that have, like, never experienced these things, but, like, that's one of the challenges is students are, like, this is weird and uncomfortable, and I don't like this, and I don't know how to do this. So did you do anything in terms of like relationships or um, like modeling, I don't know, activities or growth mindset things or anything like that that you think helped them make this like transition? Um, well, when I sort of
1: threw it in in the middle of last year, I was like, we're just going to try this and we're going to see what happens and we'll we'll learn from it as we go. Um, and then starting this year, my seventh graders, I'd had two thirds of them um, okay. already. So they were kind of, invested. And so then the other third that I hadn't had is just sort of like rolling with it. Like, okay, this is how it yeah. goes. Um, and then my sixth graders just don't know any different. Okay. Cause, um, their elementary school science, um, the fifth grade teacher does a really good job of doing science. And then that's like, but they don't have a whole lot of experience with any type of science. But they either. don't,
0: they don't know, like it's, not yeah. Science. And it's, it's middle like, school. The so everything's, the
1: they don't really know any different. Um so I didn't do a whole lot of other than my normal relationship building with kids and like just letting them know like we can struggle through this, but I'm gonna like catch you like I'm not going to just totally let you yeah fall on, but you know like we'll we'll work through it together and let me know if you need help. Um, but I found out with like even my sped kids, like they could do it, yeah, and they could tell you about it. I had a, um, a few high needs ones this year who are at like fourth grade level mm-hmm. or lower and they're like my one little one like she could totally tell you photosynthesis and fill out a Punnett square and I'm like all right well I've never had that happen
0: before so great awesome that I mean that's just that's just awesome that you can you, you can with like supports and everything like have your students achieve I don't I don't I think sometimes maybe the labels make us like hold back our expectations. And this allows students like this inquiry process because nobody knows anything when you start, like everybody's on the same level of no one knows anything. And it gives everybody the opportunity to struggle and figure it out and get where they, you know, need to go or can go.
1: Yeah. I found like the kids who struggle most with it are the kids who are used to someone giving them all the answers whether it's especially kids or a regular kid who just like knows if they sit there long enough yeah someone will come to tell them the answers <laughs> and yeah. i've never taught in the way of giving kids answers i'm like no like i'll help you but i'm not going to sit here and tell you what the answers are right um so the kids who i think struggle most with it are those ones or the kids you know you have those ones that are like such perfectionists that yeah. like really struggle with the lack of instructions yes they but, don't want to get it wrong yeah. And you're like, just go like play in the lab. Like just, yeah. well, is this
0: right? And like, there is no right answer. Yeah. Like, but, 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 and they're yeah. like, it dre- yeah, my, my daughter, she's, my daughter's almost five, but she's exactly that way. And she's going to be that way as like, even silly things will we'll be playing a game of like, how many acorns can you fit into this shape or something? I'm like, let's just guess. And she's like, no, <laughs> I'm not going to guess. I, like, no, I'll just put them in and I'll count them, but I'm not going to guess. <laughs> Yeah, like, It doesn't matter if we're right or wrong. It's fine. <laughs> but like very perfectionist. Like doesn't yeah,
1: I've, I've instituted a rule in my classroom where I don't know is not an answer. Like you awesome. have to, you can guess. You don't have to be right, but you have to answer. That's awesome. um, whether I'm pulling that on you or on a test, like I don't know is not an answer. That's awesome. Like you've got to give me something here. Put something, yeah. Or I've I, also I, instituted a lot of... Like in Bellwork, for example, if you missed the last day, if you don't know, you need to ask questions about it.
0: Yeah. That's um, great. Um, it's kind of speaking of Bellwork. I had a student, I had like um, the question or whatever. And I I also required my students, they had to write something and they had to write some mm-hmm. kind of answer. And it couldn't be like, I don't know. And it couldn't be blank. And they would get a stamp as long as they wrote something. Yep. And most of them attempted to write something related to science. But I just, I, I did have one student that would write Apple anytime he didn't know the answer. And I mean, I gave him the stamp because he wrote Apple, but like, yeah. <laughs> he had to he corrected it as we like reviewed and things. But mm-hmm. I mean, whatever, I guess it still is an answer. It still is following the rules. <laughs> um, but, but yeah. Yeah, that's for cool. sure. Um, so you, the reason like we kind of had ended up having scheduling this was because you emailed me and said like about your test scores and everybody, I feel like that's one of the big questions. So Whatever you are able to or willing to share about like the grades and like test scores and things sure. like you've seen, just because I know teachers always worry, okay well if I shift to this, like even if I think my students are going to learn well, like realistically, I also have to think about are they going to be able to show it on a test or are mm-hmm. they going to test well or is it going to show up for when I get you know evaluated for my principal or my district or my state um, and, like, I've, I've collected some little, you know, anecdotes um, from others, teachers as well. But can you share, like, how – what impact did you see on their actual, like, grades and testing and all of that, too, with, you know, shifting to these inquiry and exploration and phenomenon-based learning and all of that?
1: Yeah. So the two classes, like, I had last quarter. Um, I had a seventh-grade class that was mostly high math students, but they threw in, like, three really low bed kids in there. Um, and then I had a sixth grade one that was really just your average grade level, sixth graders. Um, and so seventh grade, both. So the first test for both sixth and seventh graders, which were obviously different tests, different contents. Um, but the class average was like an 85. And that included the grades of the SPED kids and the modified tests Um, was an 85% which I don't think I had ever on any test i would given in the last five years gotten an 85% class yeah. average on a test. <laughs> um, it's always like if you hit like 75, you're like, yeah, 75. Yeah. Um, but to hit an 85, I was like, whoa, like I don't barely really even need to talk about test corrections except for like yeah. two kids. Right. Um, so I didn't even make a big general thing about test correction. I just talked to those specific kids and was yeah. like, hey, let's fix this. But um, – So that was just, and then continuing throughout the quarter of the other tests was a really, it was a really similar trend of like in the eighties of, of these tests. Um, Which I will say, to be fair, they're not the same tests that I gave last year. Sure. Um, But I tend to modify tests anyways, depending on, because you get better at writing tests the longer you do. Right, right. So they're not the exact same tests, but looking at it of like, the averages was really encouraging to me because like we're talking about the NGSS is a little bit uncomfortable. Cause you're like, I haven't actually told them these things out of my mouth. Like, do they know it? Yeah. Am I sure that they know it? Like they did it on the workshop. Do they know it? And then, so the test really showed like they do and they can't explain all of these things. Um, and even, like I said, my low kids who would generally not test real high, got it. This was the first year on my genetics test which genetics is like the hardest unit in middle school that okay. um, I found like Punnett squares are hard. There's a lot, there's just a lot in that unit yes. um, that like it's for them to get an 80% on that. I never, and no one, for the most part, no one outright failed it. I might've had like one or two just like outright fail the test. But for the most part, even the ones that didn't do great was like a high D or a low C. Yes. Um, Interestingly, though, I didn't have any kids who got 100%. Okay. So they were doing really well, but none of them were getting 100% because I think it was a lot more explaining. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. I'm not totally sure what that has been in the past. I was like, okay, well, this kid will get 100% on the test and it'll be fine. You know, we don't have to worry about curving it or whatever. And then I'm like, no one got 100%. A
0: lot of high A's, but no one got absolutely 100%. And so. Do you that think was your, interesting. your test is, like, reflecting more of, like, the app, like, do you think your test is more difficult, like, less regurgitation of facts and more of the, like, skill and phenomena focus within this, like, test so that so. it kind of required a little, like, so the one, you know, the students that are just good at memorize every mm-hmm. memorizing everything and, like, getting that 100, like, do you think that played a role or...
1: I think it did. I think it was that, yeah, they had to explain and they had, it was based on like skills and Mm -hmm. thinking about, I know one of my genetics questions was like, you know, if green is a dominant trait in peas, can you ever have a heterozygous yellow pea? And that's been on my tests for a long time. And it's traditionally a really difficult question because they have to But I changed more of my questions to be more similar to that while still following, like, the levels of knowledge in Bloom's taxonomy. um, But – and I do think that because they could get part of it or they really had to think through the questions. And it wasn't questions that I, like, answered
0: exactly before in class. So that they, right, couldn't just, like, remember what you had said before and just spit it back to you. Yeah. challenge them more. Yeah, but then – so it
1: was interesting that, like, we lost the 100% kids. Yeah. But – gained
0: so much more, like, in the back. Yeah, um, that is interesting. So that's, not—that's yeah. like, an awesome argument for just, like, like the, like, equity-like level, like, kind of bringing everybody up, you know?
1: Yeah, that I really, for, like, the first time, I really feel like felt like I did a really good job of teaching all the levels. Yeah. That the really high kids were challenged. Yes. And also that my low kids were appropriately challenged and were successful. I got to experience some success.
0: Yes. That is awesome. Oh my gosh, that's, that's so awesome.
1: It was, and I mean, it's been really fun. Um, like, now that I'm a little bit more comfortable with the NGSS, it's really fun to sort of think about, all right, how am I going to get them to, like, think today? Yeah. Like, how are we going to, like, challenge them, and how do we want to do this lab so that way, like, they're discovering something in the lab and they're not. Yes. Yeah, like, looking well, it all around. We just did a microscope lab this week that was mostly about learning how to use the microscopes, but I didn't give them anything that they were supposed to be looking for. Okay. Once they did like the part with the paper E and then they practiced using right. it. Like here's some slides, go see what you can find, draw some pictures, like yeah. go discover some things. Yeah. That's awesome. And you know, and they were just so sort are of like, Oh look, like this is what a bee's leg looks like a scorpion when you're like up close, like a scorpion tail. of It's got the segments and it's got, you know, when yeah. they're making those things. Um, That's
0: cool. That can be, And just, like, points from, like, which you could grow, like, little storylines to follow and kind of, like, avenues of exploration, you know, kind of based on just that curiosity, like, of theirs. Yeah. I mean, I love that. That's awesome. Yeah, so
1: it's just been, it's been fun to sort of explore them. And obviously, I'm not perfect at any of it yet. Um, Or an (laughs) expert or... Everybody is learning. (laughs) Yeah, so I'm still learning (laughs) through through. They're learning of this works and this doesn't. Okay. Um, And then they threw in, we bought a curriculum this year that we had some issues with, so I'm, like, just now using it in October. And so, like, that's a whole different sort of uncomfortableness of, like, oh, now I have this thing that I have to use, and okay. (laughs) Um, Gotcha. So, kind of trying to navigate some things. But what would teaching be if it wasn't different every few weeks? Seriously. (laughs) (laughs) (laughs)
0: oh man that's funny oh what there was like some quote or statistic or something about like the number of decisions like different careers make Mm -hmm. in an hour or something and like teachers was just like off the charts like compared to other really high, intense, and like super well-paid, um, right. like heart surgeon or something, like the decisions that they make per hour versus the decision, and I mean questions obviously are making life and death decisions. So those are important decisions too. Oh, for sure. But like, But like just the number of decisions you have to like make and, and be flexible with and figure out and navigate and all of that, that's interesting. Um. Okay, so you, you said that, you know, you had mentioned that you found Isler Academy and that's Raph, you got back from the NSTA conference. If you don't mind, would you mind sharing about like how Isler Academy impacted, you know, your teaching and learning, what, um, anything that you can just share about the program, um, and just working, I guess, just the workshops or working with me or the community Any any of those aspects?
1: Yeah. Um, so last, so again, after the NSTA conference, I was sort of like looking for some things, um, my colleague had recommended like your podcast, so then I found your website and I got on there and I was like, all right, so like, you know, is it worth? Like, you have to pay for it, you know. <laughs> go through and like, yeah. All right, well, all right, well, we'll do it and we'll see. Like, if we need to cancel it, we can cancel it, right? Um, of going through that, and I found like going through. It, I really liked your worksheets. Of like, your worksheets made sense. Of, but also like, not only did they make sense, it was like, oh, this is. I could print more of these and just use these as my lesson planning templates once I get there. Um, so I really, really did like that. And then, um, so I remember last spring, um, talking to our assistant principal who had been a science teacher, Mm -hmm. um, and been like, look, like here's this cool thing. And like, look at all these things that I found as I'm working through her thing. And here's how we're comparing this to this. And I can't remember if it was, I did your storylines boot camp in the spring. So I don't know if it was just part of the explore the aha of like that introduction. Yeah. Um of sort of like how how you do this and this is what a storyline is and here think of some phenomena that might be useful right. and sort of plan a unit. Um and so I remember like talking to her in January and being like, "Can we sit down one day and like let me show you these things that I'm finding that I just don't want you to like freak out if you come into my classroom and like <laughs> things look different." Yeah. Um, <laughs> and she was like yeah yeah so we sat down and i was like look so like this is like i think what science teaching is supposed to be and this is what our new standards are how they're supposed to be taught um and she's like yeah like that's awesome like do it and we'll see see what happens right like don't worry (laughs) about it um so we went through that um and then i was starting to get comfortable and then coronavirus hit in the middle of Last year was a weird school year, just in general. We also had my co-science teacher quit in January, in the Mm -hmm. middle of January. So, So like, a whole – we had long-term subs. It was Mm. sort of a disaster. Then coronavirus hit. Um, But then, during coronavirus, I did your Storylines boot camp, um, Mm -hmm. where I picked my hardest standard of that. that Oh, yeah,
0: the brain one?
1: (laughs) The brain standard. That doesn't make any sense, because I was like, (laughs) I can see how to do this with these other standards. Yeah. But God, that one doesn't
0: make any sense. I don't know what to do. For for um, reference for everybody like listening and watching, it's the um like the sensory receptors and the brain get messages and yada yada. Yeah, and in Colorado one dash eight or or something, one seven or one eight. Yeah. Like
1: and in Colorado they took out all the human body standards except for that one. So weird. So um so if you don't teach in Colorado, you're like, Yeah, that goes with the like human body unit. And I'm like, Yeah, it does. If you have that unit. Yeah. <laughs> um, I did though decide, Nicole, after we'd had our chat of, um, yeah. um, I was just gonna go ahead and make the decision to move that to the human body unit that teaching as an add-on. Okay. Um, because I was like, I'm this just makes more sense there, and I just can't do it this way. Right. right. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I did the storyline, and so I was trying to pick that, and we were trying to come up with phenomena, and I ended up showing up to one of Nicole's. Um, I don't know, you were having, like, PLCs or something. Yeah, we have, like, our little meetings, yeah. <laughs> and and we got to talking about it, and, um, and it was really great to, like, have that human interaction, you know, in April yes. of that, but also have, like, someone who knows what they're talking about, like, sit down and really get to help you out. Because, you know, in Colorado, that's a new standard, mm-hmm. and so there's not really anyone here who can be like, yeah, I've worked with that standard before. Here's what that actually means, and yeah. here's how we can do that. Um, and not having a teaching partner to like roll yeah. things off of either was really difficult but so I really enjoyed just I was like oh like this lady like runs this website and she'll just like meet with you and like she <laughs> answers emails like what is this <laughs> <Yeah. You know? laughs> other like curriculum things or like even like some PD things and it takes forever or whatever and I'm like oh she like actually comments on things on like the Facebook group and like she gets back she's like this is awesome oh, um, I do so that and I just I really liked that like the human interaction and the one on one that it felt like I was actually working yeah. with a person and not like a robot computer. Yeah, uh, that I was like, oh yeah, like she's actually really invested in supporting the teachers who are working with her. Oh, um, I
0: hear that?
1: And so I did. I really, I really enjoyed that aspect of it as well in the storylines and kind of maybe got that one standard figured out, but struggling through that standard also was like, oh. So this is how we look at all those other standards that seem easier. Like this is the type of phenomena. And the boot camp was really nice. And I think you're planning on doing that with your new platform as well. Yeah. Uh, Of just seeing what everyone else was coming up with and seeing what you and other people were commenting on their things of like, oh, so I now see why that phenomena wouldn't be good for that standard because of these things. Yes and or saying oh like that's a good one because of this and just getting to see i mean it was like being more like in a class where you get to see everyone else's ideas and their critiques um that like i said small town i'm the only seventh grade science teacher in my school um my new teaching partner this year is great and she's really good about like working together and those sorts of things um but just to have that of like oh like this is what other people are doing and get to see those examples to apply it to my stuff and either like steal their phenomena and be like oh you know what that's a really good one yeah (laughs) um or to be like oh so why doesn't that one work oh i see why that one
0: doesn't work yeah having that back back and forth conversation yeah
1: yeah and uh i mean seeing your input on it as well because you know we can all be teachers and all have our different opinions on that but also seeing like yours as a professional yeah ng assessor i guess (laughs) Yeah. Um, <laughs> like your thoughts on that of of all those different things was really really helpful and like I said like um we've met a few times um through either your PLCs or um what and I just that, like that you're like a person that like you can actually go to for advice and it's like I said it's not a computer it's not it doesn't take forever to answer emails and when you do like reply to your emails you're like you can tell like you're actually writing them you don't have
0: yeah like <laughs> a robot yeah. Every once in a while I get an email and someone starts it like, I'm not sure if you're, re- if you really read these, <laughs> like, no, it's just me. <laughs> this is my inbox. <laughs> uh, it's like, and it made, the first time I got one that, like, that was like that. I was like, man, that's funny that somebody thinks like, I don't know. I wouldn't get my emails, <laughs> but it's, I don't know. It just like, wouldn't even occur to me. But it is one of those things where like,
1: you know, I get so many emails from so many random people or you sign up for like some sort of PD program and right. you never totally know if you're talking to like the IT person somewhere that doesn't actually know <laughs> like they're just they, they just sent out the emails right. or you know that some of them have like that do not reply to this email and you're like oh. yes yeah at the bottom yeah and you're like well I guess I won't ask for help or like the
0: email address is like no reply <laughs> yeah and you're like all right well I guess I won't be asking any real questions there Or like, and this is totally not related, but like a a bunch of like the big websites now, like that you order your, I don't know, things from like even Amazon or, you know, Facebook and stuff. Anytime you try to like find like a help button to like actually ask a question, you just get directed to all these like weird frequently asked questions pages. Yeah. No, I just want to send a question. Like, right. Order is wrong and there's nobody to talk to or whatever. (laughs) We'll be wrapping up here. So if you're listening, you're like, oh man. How much longer? <laughs> um, just kidding. But um, in terms of like COVID and your and switching to you know um, and 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 still embracing like exploration and 3D and phenomena, um, do you have any tips for teachers or anything that you know for teachers who are like maybe they're in person but they're not allowed to do like group work like they've traditionally done or um, or like I I don't know just you know they can't have like, mm-hmm. rotating the labs or things like that and I don't know exactly what your rules are in your school and everyone's are different. Um, or even if you're doing any kind of online or anything, do you have just any tips or recommendations you could honestly, even like the workload, the, the, any of those trans, you know, just anything anything going on right now. (laughs) Um, I got really lucky that, um,
1: my County has really low COVID numbers. Um, so we were able to open up totally in person, um, with some minimal restrictions as far as like sharing and that sort of thing. Um, So, mostly what I've done um, is really, unfortunately, had to limit, like, kids' movement around the rooms. Like, when we're doing labs, like, you have to be at your station. You have to use the tools that are at your station. And, like, and then we'll clean all those up for the next class. Or, and, you know, it's a lot more disinfecting and that sort of thing. Um, But I think, in general, um, it's still really about engaging kids. And finding ways to do that. And I think, you know, when you're looking at phenomena, this is a really good time to find phenomena that are closer to home Mm -hmm. um, than like, so something if you're doing online learning or a hybrid version Mm -hmm. of things they could find in their house or do in their house versus like big ones that maybe you need all your lab stuff for. Um, I've heard of a lot of people doing more demos instead of having the kids do it because then you have the kids touching stuff. Right. and like I said, so it hasn't affected me a whole lot. Um, I think the big thing would be that once you have the NGSS down, I think it's actually less work. Yeah. Because you're not working on PowerPoints and, oh, man, I need to make these guided notes. And you're not – and when you do, like, the labs where you let the kids really go through and figure it all out or design their own lab, mm-hmm. it's not so much materials for you. You can just tell them, whatever you can find in my classroom, go. Yeah. Um, and that sort of thing of that really what I found is it feels like it's actually less work. Um, the more that I do it, I'm like, Oh, okay. So my tests are easier to write. Cause we're going to start with that question that we came up with at the beginning and then work backwards on our like levels of knowledge. So it yeah. are hitting all of those um, and getting all those questions in. Um, and one of the things our school wanted to do at the beginning of the year was like assign a lab group for kids. And they stick with that for the whole quarter yeah Uh, so that way you minimize the contact which is pretty easy to do especially if you know once you get to know your kids a little bit and you'll be like yeah those kids can never ever work together (laughs) um i've also found some computer simulations which i don't generally like kids being on computers because i think there's better ways to teach science yeah Um, but i found a few there's some natural selection ones that were fun and there's one is it
0: i think it's the fet one yeah like that has a lot of um, the bunnies take over the world at the end well, um, oh, I don't know if I've seen that one. But that has a lot of good, like, physical science and um, stuff like that.
1: Yeah, they have a natural selection one with wolves okay. and bunnies. And I
2: don't think I've seen that
1: one. I'll have to check it the out. The bunnies take over the world at the end. Um, awesome. <laughs> but my kids were all working at their own computers doing that. And I had another one. It was, like, can you live a million years or something, or a hundred million years. Oh, neat! It's, like, these, like, weird made-up weasel bird things. Don't know birds, maybe? I don't know what they are. But so I just had them work through the – like, they worked – 45 minutes at least that they were just totally engaged in that Maybe. and like excited and like they were working at their own desks and so I think looking for those sorts of things to engage them and like then we talked about afterwards of like, okay so what happened when did the what color were the bunnies when the wolves took over yeah how did that change how did you know we talked about those sorts of things so I don't know. I don't have a lot of great advice because my life hasn't changed a yeah. whole lot. <laughs> uh, no,
0: I think I love your advice of, like, focusing on phenomena that's close to home and that students can really connect with right now because, I mean, that's what that's what they can go. If, if they're at home, that's what they can literally go get or go experience. And it, it does get them off the screen or off the, the computer or whatever. It mm-hmm. gives them a break from that. Um, and it's, it is something that they can actually, yeah, like just in, in-person experience. Um, so I think that's like a great recommendation. Um, and also even sometimes like what you've said, and, and I've kind of been sharing this a lot lately with a lot of times, you know, when we think about unit planning, we think about like using big phenomena to for our storylines where we're bundling a bunch of standards and, and, and in the past, that's what I've really like recommended and, and emphasized. We want these big phenomena that tie together different standards, but like right now, in terms of keeping you know teacher sanity like if, if it's way too much to think about planning you know six weeks ahead and choosing that big phenomena that your students might not even be able to engage with because of the limitations of being in front like if you want to plan your week or your two weeks and it's something that they can go in their backyard and explore then hey that's maybe that's like that's better you know so
1: yeah and during distance learning um one of the things i was really trying to do that was maybe not phenomena based um, but was brain-based, was really trying to get kids outside. Like, go for a walk. Go observe some things. Go sit and
0: count the ants. Yeah. The, you know, That's for like, sure phenomena-based. That's literally the natural world. Think yeah, about that. Like, get outside.
1: So <laughs> I had a scavenger hunt for him when I had him go find, like, pieces of, like, the food web vocabulary and the ecology yeah. vocabulary. Like, go outside and find me a decomposer. Oh, nice. Go find me a producer. It's yeah. uh, you know, can you find a carnivore? Yeah. Maybe it's your house cat is the carnivore. Or right. But, um, you know, when you, cause just brain-based getting outside is the, one of the best things anybody can do for their brains. Yes. Um, and when you're stressed out, I think
0: it's even better. Oh, for um, sure. Like mental health. Oh yeah. There's like so many yeah. studies that even say like trees in cities improve mental health. Like, just yeah. to come um, and, like, a couple trees like honestly, a You can convince your kids to go to a park, yeah. you know, whatever it is, um,
1: and really work, work through those things. So I did send kids outside as much as possible to yeah. do some different things. Um, and luckily my county um, provides professional development through Parks and Wildlife, okay. um, and it's all about how to get kids outside and activities for kids to do outside, which is a really neat program um and so like there's winter stuff that you can do outside if you're still doing distance learning and it's out still outside you can have them go find tracks and you know a lot of different things melting snow is a fun one because you think there's a lot of water in the snow and then there's actually not once you melt it and
0: yeah that's so so simple and it doesn't require a lot of supplies like you said it's just stuff that's around yeah and i
1: think that was my big thing in distance learning was i didn't want to to do anything with supplies that kids might not have right
0: um
1: I didn't want kids to go out especially in the middle of like April March when it was right. like only go to the store like one two weeks right like, right Like you don't know, like don't if you don't have it like fine here's what else you can use um so yeah so I that was my big thing during distance learning was can we get kids outside that's awesome can we
0: just for a lot of reasons well and that was one other thing that you said too that I think is super important especially all the overwhelmed teachers and are like dying in the lesson plans and all that, like engaging your kids, like just if that's all you can do this year, scrap your lesson plan and, and spend some time building relationships and be Mm -hmm. curious about something and engage the kids in some sort of science, anything. I don't know. You know what I mean? And engaging kids is not like showing them a video. They didn't have enough time watching videos right now, but like engage them in, like you said, like, going outside and doing something and talking about what they did or, um, I mean, there's so many different ways, but like challenge them to, I don't know, build something with whatever they have in their house and then talk about what they built or, or what, just that like human interaction and, and, and talking about science and engaging them in science and wondering about it and being curious, like if you can, if if that's all you can do on some days, I think that's way better than trying to throw together like a silly worksheet that nobody cares about and nobody wants to do and that you have to grade and just adds to your, your workload. Yeah, for sure. Um, my teaching partner, she was starting forces in motion with
1: eighth graders and she had a thing where she just, we have a whole bunch of different balls, right. As far for the, so she just took them outside for a little bit. She showed them like one demo and then just let them like, throw the different balls against the wall and, like, feel what they look like and then just went inside and I think they had, like, a conversation about what that is and I think she had them draw a model of, like, the different things. But, like, yeah. super simple. And kids at home could do that because most kids have at least some sort of...
0: Some sort of balls that they could find around the house or wherever, yeah.
1: Yeah, uh, you know, super simple. And, like, it looked like outside of my window. I knew what she was doing because I she told me about her lesson plan. Yeah. But I'm watching it outside my window. I'm like, that just looks like pure chaos. Like... <laughs> They are not learning anything, but I think they did. Yeah. Um, you know, they did. But it was one of those. Uh, the NGSS doesn't always look like what people think
0: classrooms should look like. It does not. No. It looks like you have those like follow up com. And I think you do need to have the follow up conversations about like what they noticed and oh, yeah. what they learned. Because if you don't do that, then yeah, they might not make any of those connections that you're getting toward. Yeah. But in the moment, it doesn't. It doesn't always look like. No, it doesn't.
1: And I think if you're just starting the NGSS, like you should give some fair warning to your admin. um, Who may wander into your classroom and be like, what is happening in here? They are learning. This doesn't look like that's what's happening.
0: I promise you. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Uh, Well, Kayla, do you have any final like thoughts or advice or anything? I mean, I feel like we touched on so much and and this is so valuable. Um, But yeah, any final thoughts that you want to share? I mean, I think, you know, this year has been so weird.
1: Um, the last that we just need to like, just keep doing it. Just keep doing the things that we know are right for our kids in our classrooms while following whatever like guidelines we have, but don't give up on kids because you're teaching through a computer or you're teaching. I can't even imagine what it's like to teach half your kids online and half your kids not online in person. Like that sounds Uh. really, really difficult. But I think like don't give up on those good practices and maybe you modify some of those practices to make it work for you right now, but don't, don't fall into the trap of, oh, well, I'm not going to, I'm going to go back to worksheets and crossword puzzles and things that don't apply.
0: Awesome. Thank you so much, Kayla. And I'm so glad that we were able to talk about all this stuff. And yeah, so thanks so much for, and thank you all who are watching and listening for like tuning in
2: today and I will catch you later. Um, yeah. Okay, bye. Thanks for having me, Nicole. Bye. Hi, everyone. It's Erin. If you're interested in having your question featured on our podcast, go to teachingsciencein3d.com slash questions. You can submit your questions in writing or submit an audio file that will feature on the podcast. And if you're enjoying this podcast, we would appreciate it so much if you could rate and review the podcast on whatever platform you're listening on. You can get detailed podcast recaps at teachingsciencein3d.com. And you can connect with us on Instagram at teachingscienceunderscorein underscore in 3D or on Facebook at teachingsciencein3d. We look forward to hearing from you. Making sure that your lessons are three-dimensional isn't always easy. While you don't need to include all three dimensions every single day, you do want to make sure that each dimension is regularly addressed. I developed a really simple 3D planner to help keep me focused. It helps me track which pieces I'm using in my daily lesson plans. It only takes me five minutes to fill out, and it helps me notice patterns in my own lesson planning. For example, when I first started using it, I noticed I wasn't including the cross-cutting concepts as often as I thought I was. Just by recognizing this, I was able to focus on this one piece and improve my lessons. Right now, you can grab the same template that I use for my own planning for free. Go to SaddlerScience.com slash 3D Planner to grab yours. That's SaddlerScience.com slash 3D Planner.